The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, it's another loss for the Edmonton Oilers, 5-4 to the Washington Capitals. Another game with clear flaws in the Oilers' performance, leading the way the penalty killing. The Capitals go 4 for 5 on the power play. The Oilers' PK for the season is now 67.9%. And also not great 5-on-5 for most of the game and just not great defensively most of the game. So they are now 7-6 and on the season with three really tough games coming up the rest of this week as they have started a four-game road trip with this loss to the Capitals. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. We'll start with the penalties because I think that's an obvious place to start. Mm -hmm. Though I will say I don't think it's the only reason they lost tonight, even though they nope. gave up four on, four on the power play. I, t I said it during the second intermission. They're the third most penalized team in the league when it comes to time shorthanded. Yep. Not just minutes. amount of times per game you're shorthanded. So they're not very good at killing penalties, Rob. And then I also look at the penalties they're taking. So they're already down a man. Yamamoto puts his stick in a guy's hands. Easy call. Two, two, uh, a minute 51, wasn't it? Two-man advantage. They're, I mean, they're probably going to score. They do. Uh, Bouchard cross-checks the guy in the face after having his shot blocked. That's going to be called every time. Mm -hmm. uh, CC football tackles a guy in front of his own net. That's going to be called every time. And we could probably go back or to other games and find similar yes. instances, but those are the three I'm going to highlight tonight. So to me, two problems. You can't kill a penalty, and you are taking unnecessary, silly, undisciplined, whatever you want to call them, type of penalties. Oh, you're 100% right. Um, this is a team that lacks confidence on their penalty kill. So if you lack confidence on your penalty kill, don't take penalties. And they're, they're silly penalties. Again, the, the one you talked about with Yamamoto, that's an easy call. It, it, it's called, we used to call it a corkscrew. You put your stick in the midsection of the player that you're trying to defend and kind of flick your hand and you spin them. But it, it's easy. When you're shorthanded, you cannot give the ref another opportunity to call a penalty. It's, a, it's vital. And that one was simple. Bouchard cross-checked the guy across the face. Like that was, and he actually bring, had to bring his stick up because Mantha's a much bigger player than Bouchard. Uh, yeah, it just silly penalties. And, and we, we talked about it at the end of the second period. This is something you pointed out in the preseason, that the Oilers were taking a lot of silly penalties. We saw it early in the season. We talked about it. There was the game Evander Kane took the double minor. There's where Evander Kane on the bench. Not just, not just picking on Evander, but we talked about all these penalties that the Oilers kept taking. And what it was doing to the team, it was taking certain players out of the game. It was losing the role of lines that uh, Jay Woodcroft wanted to do. Certain players were getting tired because penalty killing is harder and if you're killing lots of penalties they have to be out there a lot so it's taking away. All of a sudden now you have to use Connor on a kill, you've been using Leon on all the face-offs and they're good at it but I'd rather have Connor fresher five on five and Leon fresher five on five. So it, it, it is you jokingly said in preseason this this hopefully this isn't going to be an issue well it has become an issue um the the oilers are silly penalties 
And it's not, it, it's not like the others of the Broad Street Bullies where they're punishing guys and hurting guys. And you know what? You're going to get a power play, but one of your guys has a broken leg, so it's going to be tough for him to score. <laughs> they're, they're taking penalties that all they do is give the opposition more ammunition and, and sit, your, your best players are sitting and they're scoring goals because you can't kill a penalty. And now it's losing your, your goaltending's confidence is being shattered because he gives up four power play goals against tonight. So there's a lot of things that went wrong with the Oilers tonight. And for the last couple games, penalty killing is something that has killed them and penalties have killed them all season long. Yeah, 5-4, the Capitals win it tonight. Back to D.C. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. With the Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. To win it in positions to take those penalties that, you know, I didn't think all of them we needed to take, and uh, that doesn't help your cause when uh, you're you're struggling on the penalty kill. Um, not good enough. What are you seeing on the penalty kill that isn't quite working the way you're used to it? Well, I saw that we gave up five shots on the penalty kill tonight, and four of them went in, but it was the quality of chance that we gave up. You know, um, you know, we gave gave one up off an entry, one off of a face-off, a five-on-three, and then later in the game when we were pressing to try and tie the game up, we, we gave one off of a fast break, but um, not good enough. you got to find a way to get those, uh, those killed, and... Um, you know, it, it certainly was the determining factor in why we didn't win the game tonight. You guys are chasing the game again. Leon said he's getting tired of chasing the game. How do you see that getting off to a better start? Yeah, well, you know what? I thought the first period was fairly evenly played, and then we made, we turned one over. We gave up one even strength goal tonight. We turned one over, um, and we had uh, not enough people in in place to protect if there was a turnover. Um, and but. That ended up being a, a key moment of the game. You know, that was in the last couple of minutes of the first period. We turned it over. It went in the net. Uh, and then we took a penalty uh, not too long after that. And so we're down 2 nothing. you know, a minute into the second period. Um, you know, we felt that we were still going to press. And we, we felt good about our team and our, our game. But we shot ourselves in the foot with taking too many penalties and not being able to kill them. That's a bad recipe. When you're looking at that power for the PK, are you going to try? You're looking at trying different combinations or just keeping those guys yeah. and hope they come to We've been paying attention over the last, you know, uh, games when we haven't had success. We've we've tried different people there, um, different pairings, different looks, different, uh, um, you know, uh, different people in different spots to try and spark something there. Right now, the way it's going is it's going in the net against us. And we got to find a way to stem that tide uh, and stack a few good penalty kills on top of each other so that you build a little bit of confidence. Right now, our confidence level on that kill, uh, since we've been touched up, isn't where it needs to be. Um, but we have a belief that we have the people necessary in order to get the kills. We just haven't done them uh, or done a good enough job here over the last little while. That late kill, two minutes left, was there thought of getting McDavid out there? Or Yeah, there was. He was next up. Yeah, but he can't play the whole the whole third period. And uh, he just was on the ice for, for the kill. And uh, or sorry for the you know the shift before and uh, you know it was our way to 
Um, you know, we had we had people that we believed in that could get the job done. You know, they did something good. They uh, they created a fast break of their own, but we ended up with too many people up in the rush, no one protecting, and and uh, their captain and best player made a really nice play on that goal. You got to give them credit on that. But we're pressing to tie the game in that moment. A uh, quick turnaround at Tampa. Just a thought going down there and trying to get a. Yeah. Well, we got to get things back on the rails here. You know, we've come off. Uh, you know what our game is over the last the last two two games, and uh, you know, um, you know. But for me, I think it comes down to simplifying things, um, simplifying uh, you know what our game plan is, using simplicity as a formula for success. Because right now, uh, the way we're going about things, we can't outscore our mistakes, and tonight proved that. All right, it's Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Most of the discussion about the penalty kill. Capitals go four for five on the power play and beat the Oilers 5-4. Rob, I guess the quick change for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. Anything to improve the PK? I don't know, Springer and Strudwick, like something. <laughs> oh, you and I go out there and although they'd ask us to block shots, we're like, not a chance. Well, a few might hit me because I can't move, but, you know. <laughs> well, we'd make sure we were a long ways away from where they were shooting them. Yeah, it's, in their penalty kill, it, it, as we talked about at the end of the second, it's different ways beating them every time. It's not as though it's, they're they're just not getting in lanes or they're take not taking away the pass away. As uh, Jay Woodcroft said, there was an entry one, there was the five on three one, there was a blown coverage one. They just, they look, disorganized which is weird because a lot of these players are the exact same guys that killed last year so they've got to figure something out um, I, I know that they've there is success sometimes when they put Connor and Leon out there but those are also the guys that play five and five and four and four and on your power play there's only so much they can do and you can't just completely wear them down you have to have role players that are capable of killing penalties. Good teams have role players that do that. They take pride in that. They block shots, they get pucks out, they do whatever it takes to stop the other team from scoring. Right now, at a 68% kill rate, they're not doing it well enough. And you throw in the fact they need saves. Yep. And uh, Stuart Skinner got off to a fantastic start to the season, but has given up nine goals in his last two starts. Now that's not all on him. As the others are, I mean, he gave up five goals tonight, and they also hit three crossbars yeah, in a post. Three crossbars, yeah. So I mean, this is—they're just giving up way too many go great scoring chances against. Uh, the Oilers have not been good defensively for a while now. This isn't just a one-game or a two-game thing. This has been for multiple games. They have not been good in their own zone, and that is, uh, to me. It goes hand-in-hand hand with the penalty killing. Defensively, this has not been a good team for a stretch here. 5-4 Capitals take it. The Oilers have lost three in a row. The Capitals snap a four-game winless slide. They were 0-2-2 coming in, so they're 6-6-2 six, six on the season. The Oilers are now, I mean, I think we have to call it a disappointing 7-6. and six. I mean, there is a lot of track left. I mean, you're, you, you might have, you're going to have stretches where you might be only a game or two over 500. But like I said, this, this is a big week. I, I mean, if you're swept on this road trip, you're coming home seven and nine with a fifth of the season gone. Um, you're not as much of a standings watcher as as I am, and, and certainly there's a lot of track left. But I I do I will say this, I think in his young tenure as the Oilers head coach, 
Um, this, I mean, I think this is Jay Woodcroft's probably biggest test. Now, I know he came up after a coach was fired mm -hmm. and they dropped a little bit out of the playoffs. So, sure, you had to come in on the fly and, and do some work. But in terms of, you know, we're, we're mid-season, he's the coach. We know he's going to be the coach. Yep. I mean, they're not going to make another coaching change in a bad spell here. I think this is his biggest test. I mean, we hear him talk. He's calm yet clearly disappointed and, and knows the areas that need correction so I think this is uh, and I'm not saying this is a coaching issue but the coach has to guide things back on the, the rails here well we talk a lot uh, on our show about when the Oilers go through adversity how players respond to the adversity you learn a lot about a player uh, some players step up some players shrivel and this is how a general manager decides going forward okay this is a player that we want because when things go sideways He's there for you. He's fighting through it. And there's another guy that, you know what, when, when things are good, he's really good. But when things are poor, you don't notice them. Well, this is the first adversity that the coaching staff has faced since they've been here. How do they react to it? How do they react to uh, uh, the defensive lapses they've had, the undisciplined penalties, the poor penalty killing? Now, some of those things are on a coaching staff. Specialty teams has a lot to do with your coaching staff, the way you work the penalty kill, the people you put out on your penalty kill. So yeah, this is the first adversity that the coaching staff has had and let's see how they react. And they're gonna be tested because yep. they're not playing bottom feeders here. They're about to play three of the powerhouses of the Eastern Conference in their next three games on the road. This is a huge test for the team and the coaching staff. It was Connor McDavid's 500th game he gets two points. He scored. The Oilers scored a couple of beautiful goals that we're not going to probably talk about as, mm -hmm. as much as we would in other occasions because they they lost the game. McDavid got a goal and an assist in his 500th game. So after uh, 500 games, McDavid 724 points. He got the goal in the second period. He assisted on Nugent Hopkins' goal late in the third period, which gave the Oilers still a hail mary chance to maybe uh, tie the game. Kuznetsov scored on the power play with a minute 51 left. Nugent Hopkins scored with a minute six left. Oilers pulled the goalie. Didn't really get a good uh, shot on net after that. So they lose 5-4 to the Capitals. 780-496-0063. If you want to get in touch, we'll call a quick timeout. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Brodus will get it out, right wing to Sheary. Stood up by Kulak, and the puck goes into the Oilers zone. All right, uh, Brett Kulak with the crunch of the game for Cougar Paint Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting, but the Oilers take the crunch in the loss column tonight, their third in a row, 5-4 Capitals is the final of Jenny Kuznetsov with a big game for Washington. He had two goals and two assists. It was uh, Dylan Strom picking up a couple of goals and an assist. Alexander Ovechkin tonight had a goal and an assist for the Oilers. I mentioned two points for McDavid. A uh, goal and assist for Drysaddle. Two points for Zach Hyman. McDavid had five shots on goal. Drysaddle had four. Ovechkin had five. That's 14 total. I set the line before the game for River Crew Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it at 12 and a half. So it is over. So Landon is the winner of the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Ovechkin scores a power play goal, but I, I thought that pass he made oh. to Kuznetsov for the late power play goal. Well, about 20 seconds before 
the pass. He had the puck in front of the net and on and off his stick under the bar, one of the crossbars that the Capitals had. Incredible shot by Ovechkin. And then the Oilers pressed, and you can't blame them for pressing. They're down a goal while shorthanded. But they were just watching the replay of it. Ovechkin uses his body to keep the puck away from Nurse. And then between the legs, no look, right on the stick of his buddy Knetsov, who makes no mistake, which turns out to be the game-winning goal, the fourth power play goal of the night for the Washington Capitals. Alex Ovechkin had one of those nights, I would call it a high event night for him. He had a goal and an assist, a number of grade-A scoring chances, but twice was beat because of the speed. Uh, and one of them resulted in the goal by by RNH when Hyman was able to knock him off the puck and beat him to the net. But uh, a fun night for Ovechkin on home ice with a big goal, and unfortunately not a fun night for Connor McDavid in his 500th game in Washington. I'm thinking on that play, he sets up Kuznetsov. Nurse is the defenseman. I, I would think a defenseman on that play is thinking, don't let him get a shot away. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, well, Nurse he is probably thinking, okay, I've turned him. He, he can't shoot. I, I've won this encounter, and then he puts it behind his back well, between it, the legs. Yeah, then at that point, too, Nurse is hoping that someone's coming back to help. Right. And that's what he's doing. He did his job. He kept Ovechkin, the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League possibly ever. He forced him not to shoot. And Ovechkin didn't see. Like he just right between his legs. It would have, I mean, just a wonderful pass, a pretty play that... Uh, was enough of a difference in this hockey game. At that point, you thought the game was over. The Oilers made it interesting. But this is a game that the Capitals were completely uh, overmatched skill-wise with the number of players they had out. And this is what's so funny. I was thinking about this while you guys were talking there. The Capitals scored four power play goals in this game. They were without Oshi, big part of their power play. Backstrom, big part of their power play. John Carlson, huge part of their power play. So three-fifths of their power play wasn't in this hockey game, and they scored four power play goals. 5-4, the Capitals take it. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Jason is on the line. Jason, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, guys. It's nice to hear from you guys again this year. Um, always like to hear your show. A uh, couple questions here. Uh, I heard Rob talking to Bob earlier, and uh, you're talking about the third and fourth lines not producing, Rob. Um, where do we go from here? Do, uh, do we bring up Hamlin and Coughton, or uh, we just leave it at that? Um, okay, when it comes to not producing, I don't put anything to do with the fourth line. Because the fourth line for the Oilers doesn't play. They get five minutes a night. So I, to me, the fourth line not producing doesn't matter. It's the third line that isn't producing, as well as, you know, Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, Fogel. Uh, and McLeod had a nice little start to the season, but they're not producing at all that third line. The problem is, and, and Bob mentioned Yanmark coming up, everything is dollar for dollar now. So whoever you bring up, whatever he makes, you've got to send that much down because the Oilers have zero wiggle room when it comes to salary cap. So I don't know what they do. Yanmark's a player that they signed to play here. Um, salary has not allowed him to do that. Holloway's a guy that can go down because you don't have to put him through waivers. The problem with Holloway, he hasn't really been given a chance to show what he's capable of doing because injuries at one point, and he doesn't five, six minutes, if he's only playing five, six minutes, he's, he goes down. But then I don't know what the contract is uh, money-wise to see who they can bring up. But it has to be money for money. They can't just bring someone up because you want them to be here. You've got to send the exact same amount of money down. 
Yeah, I, I mean that's uh, that's a good question. It's it's tough because you know Hamlin, hard worker. I don't know if he's going to come up and, and be depth no. scoring. I mean, Costin's the no. guy they just traded for. Uh, they traded Sam Rukoff there. Was it? I think right before the season started. So yeah. Now having said that, they did score four tonight without mm -hmm. <laughs> from yeah. the big guys, two from Nugent Hopkins and one each from McDavid and dry cycle so it's you know again if they kill a couple penalties tonight we're, we're not talking about or if, now see to me the bigger problem with Fogel is not that he didn't score it's that he stick handled himself and as you said after the first intermission he didn't get any trouble but he stick handed himself into trouble and, uh, and lost the puck to Strom who went in and scored well, What's a bigger issue, not scoring or turning the puck over in your own end? Uh, when you're third or fourth line, turning the puck over in your own end. Again, if if the third line plays even and they come out of the night, no pluses, no minuses, they've done their job. I mean, here's a great example right now. Yes, he pulled you he's got one goal on the season. He's minus six. So that's what hurts is when you, you're not scoring, you can't be on for, for goals against. Uh, Evan Bouchard, they, I mean, we're talking about players up front that are struggling. Evan Bouchard... 13 games, he's got zero goals on the season. I don't know what his plus minus was tonight, but he was... He was minus one tonight. So he's minus five on the year. He struggled, and he has been struggling. Uh, one of the things that we talked about, Evan Bouchard, over the last mm, year and a half when he's been up is his ability to get pucks through. He, he never had them blocked. Every game now, he's, he's not getting pucks through, and then tonight he takes the penalty because his, his shot got blocked. Uh, they just uh, defensively... This team has given up too many chances. So there's, I mean, there's penalty killing. There's third line not scoring goals. But the biggest thing for me is just how, I don't know if soft is the word, but how many grade-A scoring chances are given up in their own end. And a great example tonight, Alex Ovechkin and Bouchard are, fighting, are, are racing for the puck. Ovechkin, who is no longer fast, goes toe-drag through the legs of Bouchard, beats him one-on-one. Players in the National Hockey League rarely get beat one-on-one -on -one anymore, unless you're going against Connor. And then he goes to the front, of, then he turns around and spins, and he beats Evan Bouchard a second time to put the puck on net. Those are the things that cannot happen. And it's not just Bouchard. There's so many chances tonight that Washington had wide open in front of the Oilers' net. You can't give up, up those opportunities. You're putting too much stress, too much pressure on your goaltenders. All right, 5-4 Capitals, the final. Here is Zach Hyman. Um, Zach, just start with an impression on the game. What did you, you see out there today? Oh, four power boy goals, right? I mean, can't win with that. Can't win taking penalties. Got to figure that out. Obviously, uh, fourth one was, you know, we were trying to score. Um, one was five on three, but, I mean, I think it's just, you know, taking too many penalties. They, they only took one. I think we had one power play. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, five on five. I thought we were we were just okay. I think I think we have a lot more to give. You know, all throughout our lineup, top to bottom, forwards D. So, um, you know, another tough one here. What do you, what are you seeing on that PK that that just, just seems to be struggling? Well, I mean, when things aren't going well, you know, if you play long enough, you know that you go through stretches, things go well, and then things you know don't go as well, and it feels like uh, every little bounce is going in. But that's where you just have to, you know, bear down a little harder, get back on, on a roll. I don't think you know, it's necessary structure. I think it's just, you know, a little bounce here, not getting it out there. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I think you just got to uh, have to stop it and then uh, get on a roll and, and clean it up. The timing of the penalties is bad too, because you, you you know you, you cut it to a goal, you take a penalty, you cut it to a goal, take a penalty. I guess it's just timing. Yeah. yeah, timing, and then you know I think you can build momentum off a penalty kill, right? A big penalty kill in, in the moment of a game can swing momentum there. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. And last one for me, just, I know no one liked the effort for Saturday. Do you think it was a better effort tonight overall? or? Yeah, just not good enough, I think. I, I, I mean, you know, maybe better than Saturday, but not to our standard. Um, you know, but the, the nice thing is we had a back-to-back -back here. We got to go and, and play a really good Tampa team and, and, uh, and you know, play to our standards. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Obviously, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get the tape and, and then move on tomorrow. Former Oiler Laddie Smead posting on Twitter half an hour ago, I think there are 31 other teams who would love to have Zach Hyman on their roster. This guy just does everything. One of the best signings by the Oilers ever. This guy gives you everything. He's got every single shift and has tons of skill as well. So Schmeed oh. finding a positive tonight in Hyman's game. And I agree with everything Laddie Schmeed just said there. I thought I thought Zach Hyman was excellent in tonight's hockey game. And he is the fourth star, once again, for Jandell <laughs> Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. No surprise, the three stars, Kuznetsov, Strom, and Gustafson, 5-4, Capitals win it. You're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl. More of your calls coming up as well at 780-496-0063. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on 630 Jet. Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Nurse couldn't keep it in. It comes out. Ovechkin after it down the right wing. Puts it past Bouchard. He'll come in. He'll shoot it. A good save made by Skinner. And the puck sent up over the glass and out of play. That is Stuart Skinner's save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Skinner stops 26 out of 31. He takes the loss in this one. Charlie Lindgren, the winning goaltender for the Caps, stopped 25 out of 29. The Oilers did not test him much in the first two periods. He made, I'd say, three big saves in the third period when the score was 4-3. Mm -hmm. So he, he, he did uh, just enough to get the win. I didn't think Skinner played uh, played poorly, but didn't come up with uh, a lot of big saves like he had in previous nights. So uh, the Oilers lose 5-4 to the Washington Capitals. They are 7-6 and six on the season. Let's update the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Bruins are 11-2. The Blues are now 3-7 and seven as Boston wins at 3-1. Seven straight losses for the Blues. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure anyone picked either of those teams to be with those records. Boston had some injuries earlier in the season. They didn't have Marchand for a while. They've got off to an amazing start. The Blues looked like Stanley Cup contenders when they absolutely shut the Oilers down here on that 2-0 two vic two victory. Uh, they've gone in different directions. The Boston Bruins, uh, seems like every year you're talking about them as a Stanley Cup contender, and they look like they are once again. And the Islanders came back from a 3-1 third period deficit to beat the Flames 4-3 in overtime. High expectations in Alberta, I would say right now, with still a lot of season left, but right now, uh, disappointing. Oilers are seven and six. Flames are now five, four, and two on the season. Monday night football: Ravens over the Saints, 27-13. And basketball tonight: the Raptors lose to the Bulls, 111-97. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Nils is on the line. Go ahead, Nils. 
Hey, I got a question for Rob because uh, he's been in so many dressing rooms and so many games. Um, with when you get a player who's repeatedly taking uh, undisciplined undisciplined penalties, usually uh, he gets uh, in the press box or benched or reduced ice time. But when you have so many players that are taking undisciplined undisciplined penalties, how does the coaching staff address that? Well, they would come in, and at times they would talk to them you know hey guys we got to be smarter blah 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 and if it keeps going on then you become a little more vocal as a coaching staff a little angrier uh at some point you say all right next if you take a dumb penalty you're not playing we're not accepting that anymore and i think that's because it's not fair to your teammates uh, there's guys that aren't getting on the ice because you take dumb penalties. There's players that are overextended in shifts. Uh, the goaltenders, uh, well, the four power play goals against Skinner tonight. So it, it, something's got to be done. If, it, if a player takes a, a bad penalty, you look at his track record. Okay, this guy never does this, okay? We're going to talk to him. It won't happen again. But if a guy's doing it over and over, at some point it's got to be addressed, especially when you're a team that can't kill it. So you're uh, right now 68%. So every three penalties you take, you're giving up a goal. So now uh, that's not good. So if you take two penalties in a the game, there's a pretty good chance you just gave the other team a goal. So it's got to be addressed. It's got to be addressed by the team, the coaches, but it's most teams will have players that will address it. Connor and Leon, those are guys that have to stand up and say, okay, enough's enough. We can't continue to do this. But Connor and Leon either get tired from the kill or sitting on the bench because of the kill. So it's I think it's a combination of the team saying something to their to their teammates and talking about it and the coaches coming in and say, all right, we're gonna be held a little bit more accountable now. You take a dumb one, you're not gonna play no more. Well Yamamoto only played six forty nine and he was put out to kill a penalty and nine seconds in took a penalty to make it a five on yeah i'm not sure he scored on so I, i'm not i don't know if there was a direct correlation because he was kind of moved down in the lineup anyway. But I'm not sure if he played after that, did he? Because he didn't play very much. I don't think I saw him in the third. I don't know yeah. if I did or not. So, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be addressed because it's not it's not two or three games into the season where all stats are skewed. Your power play could be 100% after three games, or, or and your penalty kill be could be 2%, whatever. This is 13 games now. So now you're getting a pretty good sight of what you are as a team. And right now this team is a team that takes way too many minor penalties and yep. a lot of them are bad ones yeah well and look we we talk about it a lot but very few games are perfect mm -hmm. and the oilers do have talent and can outscore mistakes i mean and here's the thing if the oilers are either better on the penalty kill or take two fewer penalties we're probably talking about a 4-3 win yep. and we're saying you know what bad first period uh did you know weren't, weren't that weren't as engaged as they should have been through 40 minutes but they figured it out because they got had talent but they can't survive you can't survive you know a lackluster effort for 40 minutes and a yeah. disastrous penalty killing i mean you can't i mean they would have needed seven to beat <laughs> the dallas, seven the other to beat night. dallas and then six or seven to, to beat washington tonight so yeah those, those well, things are adding up that's sure. 11 goals against in the last two games well the penalty, well and the, the but, dallas was two for three so six power plays goals against the last two six games. Six out of nine in the last, or sorry, six out of eight the last two games. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's not a good percentage. And and opposing team's power plays are seventy-five percent against the Oilers the last two games. And and those are the goals that went in uh, tonight. Washington. This is a Washington team that's missing 
most of its best players. And they had a couple crossbars, a couple posts. This this easily could have been more than five goals against. Against a team that is hasn't won in four coming into tonight's game. And, and their two best defensemen are out. Their number one center, their number one yeah. winger. I mean, and all they started the, their backup. Goal. And they put their back who, who we knew very little about and never really got te tested much in this hockey game. So this that team should not score five goals against you in a hockey game. It shouldn't. And they did, and probably five was the least amount of goals they were going to score in this game because they probably deserve more. When the Oilers score five in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Place your order, uh, reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. Okay, more calls coming up, but let's go back to Washington. Here's Leon Dreisaitl. Leon, what did you think of just how your team kind of kept battling back all night to almost push it into overtime? It's getting old battling back, you know. It's exhausting, it's tiring. Um, we just give up too many goals. Is it mostly related to the penalty kill tonight where you just found ways to, to defeat you yeah, on the penalty? We, we give up goals on, on the kill, we give up 2 on ones um, So, yeah, it's just not good enough right now. What are you seeing on the kill that maybe you need guys to improve on? Uh, Pinpoint it? No penalty killing juggernaut. Um, I think maybe just, just right now we're a little hesitant. Uh, we don't really know when to pressure and when not to pressure, and then we just sit back and teams, uh, yeah, just find a way to um, take advantage of us there and uh, something that needs to be cleaned up. As well as you guys seem to get momentum, come back in the game and take a bad penalty. Get momentum, come in the game. Like that has to be cleaned up as well. Yeah, uh, way too many penalties. It seems like it's every game. Uh, it seems like we're killing at least 10, ten minutes uh, every game, so something that uh, yeah, needs to be cleaned up. Going into Tampa tomorrow, just give me a thought on that. That's going to be a tough That's a tough turnaround. Right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it'll be a tough game uh, coming in late, but uh, yeah, got to find a way to, to uh, yeah, hang in there and, and, and get some points. All right, that's Leon Dreisaitl, who, and we should talk about this sequence, Rob, because it was pretty spectacular, even though it turned out to be an Oilers last night. Four-on-four four hockey in the second period. Dreisaitl and McDavid and, and Barry get cycling the puck. And first of all, about 15 seconds before the goal, Dreisaitl did a <laughs> kick pass, like behind his, his right skate behind his left. Something to, you see in the soccer games. Yeah, yeah. And, and then... You know, McDavid gets the puck inside the blue line and just storms into the net and, you know, everything, the strength, the speed, the finish, it was a great goal. Well, when Knetsov cross-checked, um, I think it was McLeod from yeah. behind. I don't think McLeod was getting a penalty and probably deserved one. He was one of those ones that they did to Connor McDavid a couple of weeks ago where you kind of get the back of the pants and you cross-check down on it and it just throws you off balance. He does that to Knetsov, so he goes down. He gets mad and comes in and got is full money's worth of a cross-check. So I think at that point, the ref said, we'll take you both off. And I said to you right now, I said, well, that's the same as a power play. Right. Oilers 4-on-4 four four is the same as having a power play because when they go 4-on-4, four four, they have to play, the opposition plays man-on-man. -man. There's not a player in the league that can play man-on-man -man against Connor McDavid. And they just, the Oilers just cycle around, cycle around, and eventually they get one of the players that's facing Connor standing still. And Connor gets the puck at the blue line. He's got about... 10, 12 feet between him and I believe it was Strom, and then he attacks Strom, and there's nothing Strom can do. I don't care what player in the NHL you are, if you're standing still and Connor's coming at you, 
you cannot stop him. And if you look at the, the view, the I believe it was Nurse had slid way to the towards the boards, which took the other defenseman away. So when Connor went in, the guy that could have been in front of the net to help out Strom is too wide because he thinks the puck might go to Nurse. So now it's one-on-one, -on -one and uh, Connor made him look silly in a beautiful, beautiful move to go past, uh, to, to put the puck past Lindgren. But a four-on-four, four, it's just, it's almost unfair for the opposition. Uh, to me, if I'm playing four-on-four four against the Oilers, I'm putting four guys in the box and say, you know what? I'll let you all play on the outside. If you can get a puck through us with a shot, good. But you're not going to take any of us one-on-one. -on -one. But that was a really, really pretty goal by Connor McDavid. His 13th of the season, so he is averaging a goal a game, but the Oilers lose 5-4 to the Caps. We'll go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Chris standing by. Hi, Chris, go ahead. Hi, Reed. Long time no talk. How you doing, man? Good. Okay, uh, a couple of issues here. Okay, for uh, one thing, for our penalty kill is uh, non-existent right now. Uh, lack of zone coverage, stupid penalties. One thing I want to say, I've been saying all year, Yamo is not a six. It's not a top six forward. I see what I would do tomorrow night is I would go go for. 7D uh, and put Yamo up in the press box, make him look at at the ice to see what he's doing. Uh, he's a non-factor out there. Uh, he's overpaid, in my opinion. He just got an extension. Uh, same as Jesse. Uh, if this doesn't clean up very soon, I see a trade coming. Well, he could. We'll see if Holland feels he has to step in in, in the near future. It's, I thought an interesting point, maybe about going with 7-D tomorrow off a of back-to-back against Tampa. Yeah, possible, although <laughs> extending Yamamoto, and, and I'm a player that's been in both positions, being benched on uh, during a game or being set up to the press box, I mean, I think the message was sent to Yamamoto tonight. He's been in the top six all season long. Today he played six minutes, and we don't think he got on in the third period. So there's been a message sent, sitting him in the press box, I don't know if it makes a difference now, uh, and he wouldn't be the only player that could move up into the press box. Uh, yes, Ipiliarvi had his opportunity again tonight to play in the top six. Again, zeros across the board for him. The Oilers, having said all this about Yamamoto and Pugliarvi and all that, the Oilers are scoring enough to win games. Uh, they're just not defending well enough. So I think there's... You want more out of Yamamoto, you want more to Pugliarvi, but you also need more in the defensive end. They're just giving up too many Grady scoring chances. And you heard Leon talk about it when he said, yeah, our penalty kill was awful. We're giving up way too many two-on-ones. I mean, there's and more or less like it's not one issue right now why the Oilers are losing hockey games. There's a number of issues, and it, all of them seem to stem defensively. All right, 5-4 caps beat the Oilers. Kuznetsov with four points tonight. Nugent Hopkins scored twice for Edmonton. We'll get to Greg up next on the Certainty Hotline when we bring you back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is a four-power play goal performance by the Washington Capitals. They have beaten the Edmonton Oilers 5-4. one nothing after the first. Capitals led 4-2. 
after the second. Dreisaitl scored 254 into the third, and the Oilers had a bit of a push. McDavid had a steal in front, couldn't score. Bouchard fired one, Lindgren made a glove save. McDavid had another great opportunity in front, got hooked by Gustafson, but Lindgren still made a diving save, kind of put his hands up to block it, and uh, the Capitals win it 5-4 as the final three straight losses for the Oilers. We have Greg calling in tonight. Hi, Greg, go ahead. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. So I know everybody talked about the PK tonight and stuff like that, so I'm just wondering, I got two questions for you, and then I'll let you do your thing. Um, I was just wondering your guys' opinion, opinions on how to uh, fix the PK. And I'm also wondering when or if you guys are going to bring back finish to play. Oh, well, the, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if finish to play is coming back or not. I don't, I don't make those. Dis I read them, but I don't decide if they're <laughs> in or not. That's higher pay grade than <laughs> you and I. Um, for the penalty kill, Oh, I mean, there's a, a lot of different things on it. I, I mean, they have the players that are capable of doing it because their power, the penalty kill has been good in the past, and it was more or less the same players they have here. Uh, w one thing they need to do is win more face-offs when penalty killing. Uh, the, the way that the, the rules are set up now, that the power play starts in the offensive zone, so if power play wins a face-off, now they're already set. So you got to waste waste time by getting the puck down, but there's it's commitment to detail, and to me, for a, a good penalty kill has role players in those positions, so that you're not wasting minutes on your best players out there penalty killing, so that they their minutes are up at 26, 27 a night, and the role players for the Oilers it just haven't been getting it done on the kills. So Yamamoto was an effective penalty killer, but sometimes when skilled players, offensive players kill, if their offensive part of their game isn't going well, it affects other parts of the game. So I wonder if that affects Yamamoto in his own end. Uh, Fogel tonight, not scoring goals, he gets his pocket picked in his own end. Sometimes it plays on your mind if you're not doing things offensively. So I don't know what they, what they can do to penalty kill other than be better, just work harder block shots, get in shot, shooting lanes, uh, body positioning. We've seen a couple of the power play goals that were scored. Cody Cece just wrong side of the mm -hmm. the offensive player. And they get body positioning on you. It's pretty easy to score a goal when you've got no one between you and the net. So it, it's little things, but it's little things that the other team's doing better than the Oilers. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned face-offs for sure because a couple of these power play goals, and the, even one against Dallas, they're scored early yep. on the power play. So the other team's getting the puck and they're they're moving it around. I, I think you make a good point about body position. I, was it Leon that said, in or Hyman, one of them said, maybe some hesitation? Or did you say it? Somebody said it tonight. <laughs> but you see that too because when the Oilers have killed penalties well, even going back to when Playfair and Tippett were uh, the coaches, they often said, like, a, a loose puck, go. Yes. So a guy bobbles a puck, go. Okay, don't risk it if he's controlling the puck. But, you know, we haven't seen a lot of those, you know, steals or, you know, even contesting a puck to slow down a power play, things like that. And everything's got to be in sync too. Um, I'm trying to say, when we were in Pittsburgh, our penalty kill was eyeballs and butts. It was a different thing, it kind of rhymed. But if you see eyeballs, you, you, you are passive. If you see a butt or a guy's back or his numbers, you attack. But as soon as you see one guy attacking, everyone attacks. And if there's any hesitation, if the one guy attacks, 
and his buddy doesn't, if one goes and two doesn't, well, now all of a sudden two's too slow getting there, now you're in big trouble. And I think right. that's what we're seeing right now is there's hesitation amongst the next group. So Leon rushes the point man, that pass is made, well, he's not the next guy, hasn't gone. So hesitation is certainly in the penalty killers. All right, well, the Oilers right back at it in Tampa Bay tomorrow. They are 0-8-1 in their last nine visits to Tampa Bay. Haven't won there since December 9th, 2009. Stoff will have Oilers now from noon to two, and then the face-off show is at four. The puck will drop at 5.30, Oilers and Lightning. So Edmonton has lost three straight, 5-4 to the Capitals is the final verdict tonight. Get more on the team on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He is our studio producer this evening. Oilers Hockey is presented by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Live. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.